message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruin. Glad to be back. I was out last week on the uh, first Sunday of the new year. And um, so uh, thank you, Mr. Jackie. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Jackie, for bringing, uh, bringing a word. Um, if you haven't got to know Jackie and his wife, uh, you, you need to do that. And uh, he'll be bringing a word from the Lord um, on a more regular basis. Jackie is a, a, an experienced pastor and teacher. And uh, we're just blessed to have he and his wife here and um, just to be a part of this church family. And so get to know them a little bit better. All right. Um, let me start with what I wrote in your bulletin for worship and prayer last week. Because uh, today you're going to hear essentially what I was going to bring to you last week to start our 2015. Here we sit at the starting line of another new year. What will we do with it? What will we spend it on? To be sure it will be spent. Each day has a cost of its own and we cannot save those coins of toll. We deposit them each day and cannot get them back. If only we could count each day as special. If only we could invest our days wisely. Yet, the majority of us squander our days believing that there will be still yet another to follow. Of course, we know that isn't always true. It certainly isn't promised. Spend some time this morning asking God how you might become more intentional with your days. That was my heart for you last week as you were here during worship and prayer. Today, let me, uh, let me begin our new year by reminding you of the undercurrents. The undercurrents that exist below the surface of what we call the Cornerstone Church family. I call them undercurrents because they aren't something we necessarily talk about every time we gather. They are also undercurrents because no matter what we're doing on the, on the surface, the undercurrents are always pulling us in a direction. You know, scientists are starting to find out more and more as they look into the depths of our ocean and the, and the undercurrents that are in our ocean, that the undercurrents are consistent and steady. And not only do they, do they shape what happens in the, in the very depths of the ocean uh, all around the world, but those undercurrents can even help tell them what's going on in, in the uh, atmosphere of our world. All around the world, the, the currents that, that flow underneath the ocean in, in the very depths, in the very in the far out parts of the ocean even. Those strong currents they're finding have an effect on, on plants, on uh, animals, on communities, on the whole world's atmosphere, on, on the clouds, on the winds. There's a, there's a connection there. I think, uh, I think the Lord teaches us more than maybe we'll ever discover in this lifetime through His creation. The truth is we all have what you might call undercurrents. Things that aren't always stated on the surface that, that drive us nonetheless. Yeah, you think? You might call them underlying motives or maybe you call them values. You have them. Your family has them, hopefully. Your kids have them, probably whether they uh, know what they are or not, um, whether they're positive or not. Businesses have them and organizations of all sorts have them. Churches should have them. If a, if a church or any of the other uh, uh, organizations or relationships that I spoke of, if they do not have some undercurrent, then at least one of three things could happen. If, if a church does not have an undercurrent, something below the surface that is consistently driving and moving it in a direction, it will, number one, probably stand still. Uh, maybe a, maybe a, another way to say that is it will become stagnant. Maybe, number two, it will be not stagnant, but it could just be tossed to and fro by every surface wind of doctrine that comes along. 
So if there's nothing, if there's no force below the surface carrying it, then anything that comes along can just can push it in any direction. Maybe, maybe a church, if there is no undercurrent, will just ride on the waves. Up, down, pushed all around. Whatever the season is, whatever the, whatever the weather is, dictates where you're going. We become then uh, at the mercy of those waves. Um, there are probably more things that could happen, but I'll leave it at those three. If, if a church does not have an undercurrent, um, if a church forgets its undercurrent, what could happen? Let me give you three of those, and there are surely more. If a church forgets its undercurrent, very often what you find in the individuals and in the body is there becomes this loss of energy. A loss of energy. Because, I don't know if you've ever uh, swam in the ocean and tried to go against the current, against the undercurrent. You, you don't get very far, do you? And you just wipe yourself out. And you realize, you look up and you, you haven't gotten anywhere where you're trying to get to. So if you forget there's an undercurrent in the ocean, it can be a bad day. If you forget there's an undercurrent in your church, it could lead to a loss of energy because we are fighting against it or maybe we're not just swimming in the wrong direction, we're swimming in all different directions. And so there's a loss of energy in that way. Uh, another thing that could happen if you forget that there's an undercurrent, you can end up frustrated and confused. You ever been in a church? where uh, either there was no undercurrent or, generally speaking, the congregation had forgotten the, the undercurrent, you probably experienced some frustration and confusion in that body. We, we don't know where we're headed. We don't know why we're headed in that direction. Uh, let me give you a third one. Just plain ignorance can happen. Here's what I mean by that. It's possible for you to... We'll just pick on Cornerstone. It's possible for you to be here and to uh, find yourself as a part of the Cornerstone Church family and have forgotten, in a sense, that there is an undercurrent and become, in a very real sense, just ignorant to that undercurrent altogether. And you're just, therefore, along for the ride. It's as if there were no undercurrent anyway, because when you forget about it, out of sight becomes out of mind. And so you, you just kind of get pushed around and you're along for the ride, wherever it's going. And that's possible, that we could be a part of a church as individuals and as families. And maybe we don't even forget about it. Maybe we just really don't even care what the undercurrent is. Do people, do people become parts of churches and, and um, attend churches and really not even care about what the undercurrent might be of that, of that ministry? Absolutely. Maybe they're there for those surface things. And as long as the surface things are attractive and impressive and meeting their needs, their felt needs, their visual needs, then they are not really worried about those undercurrents all too much. And so they're just along for the ride. So what are the undercurrents of Cornerstone and our church family? Um, there's a couple answers to that. There could be what, what I might refer to as... Um, stated undercurrents, but then they're probably, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, so ignorant to believe that there aren't perceived undercurrents of what Cornerstone Church is about. Uh, if we took a moment and I asked you, uh, what are the undercurrents of our congregation? Um, that would probably be a, a good exercise. We would probably get uh, some answers that will match what I'm going to give you here in just a moment as the stated undercurrents of our congregation. But we would probably get some things that I would say, hmm, I, uh, I'm not sure that that's what we intended to be an undercurrent of our church. And uh, by the way, uh, for our men, uh, our men of prayer, we're going to have a little bonus men of prayer next Sunday, uh, regular time at my house. And so we're, I think we're going to do that exercise there, guys. So talk to your families about it. What do you think the perceived undercurrents are? And uh, maybe, maybe we find that there's some, some variance as to what I'm going to give you as the stated undercurrents. We do have 
stated undercurrents for this ministry. And I want to remind you today of what they are. I say remind you because by definition, undercurrents are always there. At least they should be. Undercurrents, the nice thing about the the ocean's undercurrents is that they are consistent and predictable. And if you get in those currents, you can travel by, by no other means, by no other energy other than those, those undercurrents. So they're consistent and they're dependable. They, they're always there. And so by definition, I'm only reminding you of what the undercurrents of Cornerstone are. Nothing of what I'm going to tell you today wasn't a part of what our heart was for Cornerstone two years before we ever even moved to the city of Jefferson to start this church. So for those essentials, here's my point. Nothing has really changed. Nothing has really changed. Um, before we get to those, let me say one more thing, because some of you, some of you need, need me to say this, all right? Um, you might wonder, if these are the things that are underneath our ministry, are there things, Pastor, on the surface that drive us? The answer is yes. The answer is most, most definitely yes. Uh, as Cornerstone moves from one season to another, as the landscape of our church family changes even, uh, e- even, even the landscape of our surrounding community, as it changes, those surface things change, Cornerstone must make some adjustments, must trim our sails, must adjust our course. We will even sometimes have to set new bearings, new headings. You tracking with me? All right, so enough of the navigational nautical jargon. Um, Does Cornerstone also have vision on the surface that can change, but that nonetheless drives us? The answer is absolutely. Absolutely. We just have to make sure we're never fighting against those undercurrents that we say are consistent and foundational. Let me put it another way. Um, Today, I'm reminding you about the stuff underneath. Because it's important. Because by, by very definition, we forget about the undercurrents. Out of sight, out of mind. So today, the goal is to remind you about the stuff underneath. But there will be other days, other sermons, when we talk about what needs to happen on the surface for our context right here, right now. For what the body of Cornerstone looks like right here, right now. Because of who the body of Cornerstone is. Do you realize it changes for every, every new family that comes and becomes a part of the tapestry that is Cornerstone? As God weaves our lives together as, as one giant family, it all changes on the surface. And so vision has to adapt. Vision has to take into account your gifts, your passions. Uh, what the Spirit might be saying to you. So you might say that uh, that new vision and direction for our church is like is like surfing the wave as as they come. It's not like being tossed about by the waves or just or just riding the waves. We're just glad to be here kind of thing. But you might say that new vision as it comes, it's kind of like we're attacking and surfing those waves on the surface. Whatever the seasons are, whatever the swells are, whatever the dangers are, we we intentionally drop in on those days. That's kind of maybe how you might think about the difference between those undercurrent, foundational things that that really probably will never change about this ministry, that will always drive this ministry, and the things that from, from time to time will come from either here, from this pulpit, from our elders, or from a consensus in our body, from a, from a, from a direction as the Holy Spirit is moving among us. Um, by the way, that kind of vision, that kind of direction that I'm talking about there, it doesn't just come automatically when the calendar changes from one year to the next. That's just the the honest truth of the matter. Uh, In churches all around the country and all around the world, when the calendar hits the first Sunday in a new year, then the pastor better have a brand new vision. But what happens if... What happens if... Um, those surface-type visions have not been granted as yet. What if God has not sparked those yet? Because, because here's the key to those, those visions. They, they rightly come 
on the wind and the wings of the Holy Spirit as He decides to move. Not when I decide, well, you know what? It's 2015. What are we going to do this year? And um, very often the Holy Spirit, I've found, He works within uh, the means and the context of individual churches and those who make up that individual church. And so you have a pastor that is unique and different than any other pastor out there. Thank the Lord for, for their sake. Um, and your pastor and every other pastor faces their own unique challenges. Their family faces unique challenges. And so that church, as much as that pastor is part of the leadership and the directing of the vision, the surface vision of that church, that church is then, uh, I won't say at the mercy of that pastor, but to some degree, that church, you, you are shaped by where I am in my journey with the Lord. And many of you, you understand uh, the context of my journey right now, and so you, you understand why I think it's important for me to just even say that. Um, the Holy Spirit, as He, as he decides to shape and direct and, and put wind in our sails for those surface visions, He works within the context of, of those that make up the body that is our body. Waves are exhilarating. Sometimes you do well surfing the waves. Sometimes you get drilled. And uh, the other thing about waves, before I move on, is waves come and go. Uh, if you've ever if you've ever surfed, if you've ever got out in the waves just to swim, you'll realize that they come in swells. And sometimes things just go flat. And you either wait or you paddle in. I don't want to push that analogy too far. I think I think you understand where I'm going. So Vision and direction often come in waves. Those, those seasons are great fun. They're exhilarating. They bring energy, etc. Today, I want to remind us of the three major undercurrents that have shaped this ministry from day one. Because truly, if we abandon the undercurrents, it doesn't matter what we try and do up here. It doesn't matter what kind of vision comes up here. We're just going to be fighting against what will become an undertow. So, here are the three that I'm going to give you. The first is going to be our vision. I wrote our vision uh, with the help of some others probably a year and a half before we moved to Georgia. I'm going to remind you of our purpose. And then finally, we're going to look as we typically do this time of year at our church family covenant. Um, By the way, guys... You got a bonus undercurrent last month in Men of Prayer. Those ten ways that I attempted to uh, give you as a challenge for your leadership in your own home and in this body, you can count that, man, as your unique, uh, as your own unique undercurrent for life and for this uh, this part of your life, as it is a part of Cornerstone Church Ministry. All right, so um, you just count those uh, yourself. Number one, our vision. And I, um, I'm pretty sure if you've got a bulletin, these things are in our bulletin. Somebody told me recently they don't read the bulletin. So uh, that's part of the reason we're going over this. I mean, why preach a sermon on something that's in the bulletin every week? Uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand and tell me when the last time you read our vision is. Or if you could tell me what the simple purpose of our church is. It's in the bulletin as well. Or if you knew... What is contained within the church family covenant? That every year we, just as a, as a symbolic act, not, not as an act of signing in blood, but just as a symbolic reminder to us all, we, we re-sign and hang on the wall every year. So I, I printed, if you have a bulletin, you have it there. Uh, you don't have the full uh, detailed version of our purpose, but it is here. And so would you help me out here, brother? Will you uh, just go around on this side and pass some of those out? Steve, will you hit this in? couple of family, as many as you need there. As I said, if you have the bulletin, you have uh, the bulk of it as well. 
In the bulletin, I will say it's smaller print, so if you need larger print, grab one of those sheets. If you're taking notes and you want to, if you want to put a, a tag word on each one of these undercurrents, here's, the, here's how you could do it. Our vision could also be described as the dream of Cornerstone. It's about our dream. That, that's what our vision is. It doesn't go into all specifics, but I will say this about our vision. Our vision statement, the wording is carefully chosen. (laughs) The wording is very intentionally chosen. The, The phrases are very intentional. So when we talk about vision, we talk about purpose here at Cornerstone. Suffice it to say that that these aren't just trite, uh, haphazard statements that have been established so that we could have, you know, a purpose and a vision. These things have actually been labored over. So let me start by reading to you our vision, because maybe it's uh, the first time in a long time. Some of you who've even been here at Cornerstone for a number of years, maybe even from the beginning, have paid attention to what the vision for Cornerstone is. We envision a church that sets clear priorities and high standards. Um, let me stop right there. I'm going to resist the temptation, but it always comes. Um, but due to guidance by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to resist as, as, uh, as best I can here um, explaining any of these by indicting other ministries or churches. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. I could say, as we start here, we envision a church that sets clear priorities and high standards. You know, most churches don't have clear priorities and high standards. Here at Cornerstone, we want to be different. Um, it's very easy sometimes to define things in a negative way. Is that, is that understood? I don't want to do that. I don't think the Holy Spirit wants us to evaluate ourselves and try and separate ourselves or set our ministry or our church on this uh, level that other churches somehow have not come to what we have uh, understood or acknowledged. That, that's not the intent here. So I'm just going to try and avoid all that. Unfortunately, sometimes it's just very difficult to explain things without giving you the converse, without giving you the negative. We envision a church that sets clear priorities and high standards. That's, that's part of our goal. We want to be clear for you about what our undercurrents are. We want to be clear to you about what we think is important, about what some of the standards for this family are. A place where authentic worship and Bible exposition come together. I'll just give you a little background on that. The heart of your pastor, way back since God called me into ministry in uh, early days of college, has been that there would be a church that I could go to, that my family could go to, where there was... Worship that was at least intent on, at least intended to be authentic and heartfelt and not just be for show and not, here I go talking in converse, and not just be um, singing to be singing and not just be songs that we sing because we, we just like singing those old songs. So whatever songs we sing, old, new, etc., the heart behind it and, and these words is that our worship would be not necessarily contemporary. You're not going to find that word. Not necessarily traditional. You're, and not blended. You don't find any of those words here. But that our, our worship would be, above all, authentic. Paired with that, that we would be a church, and, and I longed for myself and for our family to find a church that, that you had that, but you also had a place that, that elevated the teaching of God's word. And very often, just even as a, as a new Christian, as a collegian, I found it hard to find a place where there was both an attempt at authentic worship and an attempt to teach God's Word without, without uh, just adding on a whole lot of other things. A place that calls believers to a life of abandonment for the sake of Christ and His glory. Notice the priority that He takes. A church that is the natural center and foundation of the believer's family. What that means is is that church, as it's been intended as an undercurrent here at this congregation, church, well, it's not intended to be an add-on. 
a tack-on to your life. Cornerstone's intent is to be a church that finds a way to be a part of that natural center of your family's life. Kind of like that, that center spoke that your life kind of operates around. Not that thing that you do as an extracurricular activity on Sunday morning as a part of your overall schedule. That sometimes, therefore, your schedule gobbles up and pushes right out of the way. So that's what that means. A church that is the natural center. Not, not, that, we, not that we, by natural, not that we just schedule ourselves into your life so that the rest of your life is pushed out. Uh, we decided very early on that we weren't going to have church Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, visitation, uh, prayer meeting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We, we, very simply put, we don't want you here all the time. We want you out there. We want you doing Christianity in the real world, not just huddled up here, insulated from the rest of the world. And so uh, the, the, the negative part of that is is that we live in a culture and in a world that has, in some sense, um, uh, kind of knee-jerk to being at church all the time. Now we're lucky to get one, one meeting out of a congregation a week, Sunday morning. It's kind of like a funnel. We'll get the majority on Sunday morning, and then it tapers down, and maybe some of you we can get into a small group, and then in a smaller number of a congregation we can get into uh, intentional prayer ministries like our men of prayer, etc., or coming to worship in prayer at 1030, etc. So you see it's kind of like a, a funnel. Uh, part of that change, I was talking with a, a, a pastor, a church planter in his 70s, in his mid to late 70s this week, and he was just talking about uh, starting churches back in his day, back in the old days, what church looked like and how, how church has changed. And what occurred to me is it's not just that church has changed, it's not just that we do things different in church, but our world has changed, right? At some point in the last, I don't know the exact time frame, maybe let's just say 20, 30 years, we moved from a, from a culture that, generally speaking, had this desire to not just do what was best for me, but what was best for the community. Uh, don't just ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I, I think those words kind of came timely. Why? Because that president understood that there was a shift happening that our desire was primarily for what was best for us first and what can you do for me first and then I'll decide what I can do for you. And so in our culture, generally, we moved, and this has affected how we do church, we moved from what do I, what can I be a part of so that I can be of service and impact and instead what's out there on the landscape of our culture that I can take advantage of. And if, if I don't like the advantage that that thing or that place gives me, well, then I'll, I'll move down the road from McDonald's to Burger King. If I don't like Burger King, then I'll start going to Five Guys. And you see how this works? Our culture has just changed. That's, an, that's impacted how we do church. All that to say is that our church desires to be, Cornerstone's intent is that we would become a natural center of your family's life. We don't want to overwhelm your life. That, that's not what church is. That's not what Christianity is. But we do, we do want to be a, a congregation that kind of is a natural hub for each other. All right, let me keep going. This will take forever. A place where grace, forgiveness, compassion, and above all, love abound. A place where believers find rest, encouragement, and even challenge for a new day. A church that is the people and not the building or the organization even. And there's a difference there, all right? I won't take all the time, but, but think through these things. If you, if you love Cornerstone, there's a reason why it's not just a church that is the people and not the building. It's not the building or the organization or the system. All right? And there's a difference there. Where the lost see, here's what, here's what they should see when they peek in our door, when they peek into the life of those of us who call Cornerstone Church, and not just this building, but us as a family who are the church, here's what they should see. The Lord lifted high and his hand of mercy reaching low. We envision a church that follows hard after the Lord, takes serious its role in feeding the sheep, and as an overflow steps up to its responsibility of freeing the world with the good news of Christ. Those three bold words make up what becomes the purpose of Cornerstone. So that's our, that's our vision. That's the dream. Now, if you want to talk about our purpose well, you want to put a word to that, then put the word relationships. In our purpose, 
we're going to talk about using the three key words, follow, feed, and free, three relationships. The undercurrent of our church is that you and I live and, and move within three general relationships in life. Okay? As Christians, we have three general relationships that will essentially um, be the umbrella for every relationship that you have. And there are three responsibilities that you and I have to each one of these relationships. We have a responsibility, number one, to our relationship to God. We have a responsibility uh, following our relationship to God to each other. That means our family, our church family, other believers. We have a responsibility to each other. And then outside of that, you've got to understand that you have a responsibility as someone who holds the light of Christ within you via the Holy Spirit, by grace through faith, via your salvation. You have a responsibility to a lost world that is in darkness, that is waiting for someone, a light bearer, to enter in and shed light abroad in their heart. And so, just as a way to make it easy to remember, we came up with the three phrases, follow the Lord, feed the sheep, and free the world. Those are the three relationships we deal with. Look on your page. Follow the Lord. Our first commitment is to following the Lord. These are, what that means is these are in order for a good reason. Our first commitment is to following the Lord. Following Him starts in two places, at His feet and in His Word. You might connect that back to authentic worship and expositional teaching of His Word. Therefore, our first priority is gathering in the presence of our Savior. In His presence and at His feet, we seek to love and learn of Him. Our time in worship and in the Word will be the foundation on which our lives are built. That's a foundational purpose the second part of our purpose the second relationship that we we live in that we move in that we have responsibility to again in order is to feed the sheep next to the lord the body of christ is our greatest ministry feeding the sheep means caring for and equipping other believers as well as ourselves we got to feed ourselves we're sheep too therefore our second priority will be the fellowship of the believers the fellowship of the saints the third relationship we have responsibility to is the world. And so we've, we've said that we have the purpose of freeing the world. The Lord has left His people with a clear task. The world needs a church that has the keys to free the soul. Therefore, sharing the good news with a world in need is both the believer's responsibility and honor. Now here's a wrap-up statement. Everything we do as a church, everything we do as a church, will in some way and to some degree seek to foster these three actions in the life of its members. A church is able, circle that word able, to accomplish many things, but there are some things that we must accomplish. That speaks to those undercurrent things and those, those surface things that come and go with seasons, with, uh, with challenges, with storms, with calm times. All right? Some things we must accomplish. Success as a church will be measured according to... How do we know we're being successful? How do we know we're achieving our goals? How do we know that we're, we're in the current? Success as a church will be measured according to how well we are accomplishing our purpose. In other words, are we making and maturing disciples who follow, feed, and free? How are you doing in those three relationships? Did you know that was an undercurrent of our body? That the purpose of this church... And let me say this. The purpose of this church is no different than what the individual disciples' purpose should be. Now, other people, other churches, other ministries might, might package it a different way. But essentially, this is what your purpose is individually. Whether you understood it as your purpose or our purpose as a whole is. Your purpose is to, is to be a part of making disciples. Go you therefore into all the world. Make disciples. Making disciples, but not just stopping there. Following up after their salvation and helping to mature those disciples. So we didn't just say our purpose is to make disciples. That's not it. Our purpose is to make and mature disciples. What do those disciples look like? Well, they look like, they look like folks who are living and improving and growing in those three relationships. My relationship to God, 
my relationship with those people sitting right around me that I call church family and my relationship to the world. And not only are those relationships that we enjoy, but those are relationships that you are responsible to. Did you know that as a Christian? When you signed up with Jesus by getting dunked in the water, you said that I take responsibility for those relationships. And those relationships ought to be growing in grace towards God, towards each other, and even towards this world. How are you doing? Uh, you, might, you might use this as a little bit of a diagnostic for your own life to see if, if you have been in 2014, going into 2015, very intentional about your relationship with God. How intentional, how important has your relationship with this body or with whatever body you're a part of? How, how important has that been? How committed have you been to those who, who link arms with those who say Cornerstone is, is the place God has called me to be? How serious do you take it that we are a family, we are a congregation? We're, we're members, meaning we're, we're digits, we're fingers and toes and elbows of the same body that Christ has put together here in this community. Lastly, and it is, it is last, not because it's least important, but it's last because it'll only happen on a consistent level if the first two are happening. How, how, how intentional have you been about your relationship to this lost world? Your friends, your neighbors, and even some of your very close family. Maybe you're very close family members, maybe a spouse, maybe a, a children, maybe sisters and brothers, parents, maybe they fall into the category of the world. And you have a responsibility to help, help direct them to the light, help free them from the darkness. How, how have you been doing there? Again, if you're not growing in your relationship with God, if you're not utilizing and leveraging your relationships with each other as Christians, I can just, I'll put money on the fact that you, never, that you never have success in freeing the world. But you watch. If you grow in your relationship to Christ, if you, if you, if you focus on the, on the primary things, if you keep the main things the main things, meaning that you, you give intentional uh, primary focus to following the Lord, drawing near to Him in His Word and in worship, then guess what? If you look in Scripture, every time people get close to God, they end up doing what God wants them to do. And so, let me say this, as a church and as, uh, as pastor and as teacher, primary teacher of this body, what you're going to find is that the majority of sermons are going to fall into which category? Following the Lord. How can we get, how can we get each other, how, how can I help you grow closer to the Lord? Because as you get closer to the Lord, guess what? You're going to love the things that He loves. What does He love? He loves the body. He died for us. You're going to love the things that he loves. And so you know what's going to happen in a more natural way? You're, you're, going, to, you're going to be a player in category number two. And as you grow there, guess where, guess where you're going to improve? It's a trickle down. All right? That's our purpose. That's our vision. Finally, let me, uh, let me give you our church family covenant. And before you leave today, if you are a part of the Cornerstone Church family, then today I challenge you to take serious your commitment to re-sign our uh, church family covenant on your way out. We do this, as I said earlier, not because there's some magic in doing it, but because we know that for undercurrent type things, we need reminders. One of the things that our men reminded me, a men of prayer, just this last month, is that Pastor, you know, it is what it is, and we only get together typically on Sunday mornings, and we have life groups with each other, and we have men of prayer, and the ladies get together at different times, and, and, and all that understood, we need reminders. We need reminders about the important things in our Christianity. We need reminders about the, the direction, those undercurrents, although they didn't use that word, those things that are important to Cornerstone Church. And we also, we, we need, from time to time, we need to know what's going on on the surface. What is the Holy Spirit moving us towards? So once again, today, we start with the foundation. We, we start with the undercurrents. We found a couple years ago that uh, annually to remind ourselves via this church family covenant was a good way to be reminded of just some of the basic expectations of what it means to be a part 
of a church family. Okay? So again, some important phrases here, some important uh, concepts here. I'll just tell you, I didn't write, I didn't write this. Uh, this was stolen from another church. Um, First Baptist Grand Cayman, by the way. Pastor, uh, how do you say it, Seth? Thabiti and Bottle. What is it? All right, that's good enough. Uh, you will also find this, if you've come through our new members or our foundational class, you'll find this in the back of the book that we give each new church family in this congregation. What's that book called, Radley? A healthy, how to be a healthy church member, right? Putting pressure on you guys. Everybody awake? Could be coming to you next. Um, at the back of that book that we give each new family, it, it, it was written by Pastor Thabiti. Uh, there's this, in a slightly different form, Church Family Covenant as an example of what it means to be a healthy church member. So this is just a good way for us to be reminded annually of why, we, why we're here together. I mean... Why do, we, why do we deal with each other and all of our junk and all of our messes, right? Why do we why do, we do that? Here's, here's a good way to summarize. Having as we trust been brought by divine grace to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to give up ourselves to Him. That means we're saved people here. We're, we're, a church family is essentially the gathering of converted people people. Now, that's not our doing that's been by divine grace. And having been baptized upon our profession of faith in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we do now, relying on His gracious aid, solemnly and joyfully renew our covenant with each other. We will work and pray for the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If we drop the ball on unity, if we drop the ball on unity, guess what? Really nothing else holds any water. It's like, it's like punching, the hole, punching holes in, in, our, in our church and then, and then trying to fill it up with the Holy Spirit. It, it's just, we've got leaks everywhere. We, we hold no weight. We carry no water. We become essentially useless. We will work and pray for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We will walk together in brotherly love as becomes the members of Christian church. Exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require. Are you up for that? Are you up for the faithfully admonishing and entreating one another on occasion as it may require? That's part of being a part of the body. We will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together nor neglect to pray for ourselves and others. We will endeavor to bring up such as may at any time be under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and by a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our family and friends. We will rejoice. And that one, by the way, means that you take ownership of your own little part of the family. We will rejoice at each other's happiness and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows. We will seek by divine aid to live carefully in the world denying ungodliness and worldly lusts and remembering that as we have been voluntarily buried by the baptism and raised again from the symbolic grave, so there is on us a special obligation now to lead a new and holy life. We will work together for the continuance of a faithful evangelical ministry in this church as we sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We will, when we move from this place. This is, this is I love this one. I'm so glad this one is in here. When we move from this place, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Let me tell you why I love that one. Because it's not about us building our cornerstone kingdom here, guys. This is, this is about real deal, trying to help one another in our Christian journey, become better followers, better feeders, better freers, to, to be growing in all those relationships. And guess what? God may, shortly or down the road, decide to move your family somewhere else. Can that happen? It happens all the time in our world today. There are, there are families that are, in my heart, part of the Cornerstone Church family all around this country now. Because they were here at one time and Cornerstone played a, an important role in their life at one time and now they're somewhere else. They're somewhere else. Maybe they're on the other side of Atlanta. Maybe they're in Tennessee. Maybe they're in Texas. Maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they're in California. They're all over the place. 
Is that okay? That's great. That's great. But, but we're not playing games here. And what this line tells me is, listen, that's our heart for you no matter where God sends you. Listen, I hope that, I hope that the, the Elmers in Tennessee have found what, what, we're, what we're trying to say is important here. Why? Because it's important for them. It's what we wanted for them here. And if, when God moved them to Tennessee, it's, it's now what's important for them there. I'm not simply concerned with the fact that they're not in one of these seats. It's not what this is about. So, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and all who call Cornerstone home. Amen? Well, let me wrap up. I told you earlier that uh, churches have to have undercurrents. If you don't have an undercurrent, a few things can happen. If you forget there's an undercurrent, some other things can happen. Sometimes it's not that we don't have an undercurrent and it's not that we just forget there's an undercurrent. Sometimes it may just be that you've been distracted from what those undercurrents are. You'll find this in the bulletin, but let me say it to you. Perhaps the most off-used scheme of the devil is that of simple distraction. If he can't get you to do something bad, then he will very often be satisfied to help you do no real good. Distraction is a scheme and a ploy of the devil. For many of us, you've simply just not given any attention. You've just been distracted by the needs and both the good and the bad things that are in your life. And the undercurrents that that are uh, what make up this foundation of Cornerstone, they've really just not been on your radar. He's done a good job. And he he will continue to do a good job and to to work at just distracting us from what our what our foundations are, what our what our core values are, what our motives are at the very root. He would love to keep us from from knowing what really lies beneath this ministry. And so from time to time. It's. It's good for us to be reminded. good for us. I think Paul said that a few times. Didn't he in his writing? I've said this to you before, but it's no trouble for me to say it again. And it's actually to your benefit that I do. Webster says the definition of to be distracted is to be turned to the side, to be diverted, to draw or to direct one's attention to a different object or in a different direction at the same time, to be disattracted. Or to stir up or confuse with conflicting emotions or motives. Our enemy would love to do that in our hearts. To distract us. To, to disattract us from, from what are maybe even some of the most important things about why we are part of this family called Cornerstone. Sometimes, let me say this. Sometimes those surface things that are, that are even maybe even good things, things that we could do, maybe even things that at some point we should do, sometimes those become distractions and they, they, they pull us out of the undercurrent that we should be in. He's a tricky, he's a tricky enemy. Thomas DeWitt Talmadge said this in the 1800s, and I close. We live but once. The years of childhood, when once past, are past forever. It has gone beyond our reach. What we have made it, it shall remain. There is no power in heaven or on earth that can change it. The record of our past stands forth in bold, ineffaceable characters, open to the all-seeing eye of God. There it stands, and one day we shall give an account of it. The present moment alone is ours. Today is a day which we never had before. Isn't that good? Today is a day which we never had before, which we shall never have again. It rose from the great ocean of eternity and again sinks into its unfathomable depths. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 2014 is done. 
And uh, the days are slipping away as we start even a new year. Lord, you gave us direction as to these undercurrents. And so, Lord, may we be reminded often by your, your Holy Spirit that these are the things that no matter what is going on on the surface, these are the things that carry us along. These are the things that, as a body of Christ, we're going to tap into so that we're always moving forward, so that we never feel stagnant, so that we never feel like we're just riding the waves. Lord, every now and then, we're going to, we're going to jump on the, the board of, uh, of the vision of whatever your spirit brings on the wind, and we're going to ride, Lord, and we're going to, we're going to have a blast, and we're going to chase hard after those waves, Lord. We're going to attack those waves. But Lord, we're not going to be dependent on those things alone because they will come and they will go. And, and at times, the ocean will go flat. And so Lord, no matter what happens, may you use these undercurrents in our body to make sure that we know why we're here. We know what we're doing. We know that your love compels us to draw nearer to you. To draw nearer to one another. And to move into relationships out in this world. Where, where hearts are still in the dark. So Lord, uh, whether, whether there's a program or, a, or, a, or a, a, a vision on the surface, whether, there is, whether there's a, a new thing on the horizon, Lord, regardless, would you, would you anchor our souls to those, to those deep undercurrents, those things that we know we ought to be doing. And then Lord, as we... Uh, as we raise our sail. As the leaders of this church and as the body as a whole sends up our sail so to, so to embrace the moving of your spirit on the surface, Lord, we ask that you would, you would fill us. We trust that you will do those things in your good time. And we tune our hearts and our ears toward heaven. In the meanwhile, And in the meantime, Lord, some, some days are meaner than others. We get in that groove with you, Lord. We are drawing nearer to you. Drawing nearer to each other. And we are embracing our responsibility in this dark world. In Christ's name we pray. listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.